to Love Curvy Yoga, the podcast that's all about the intersection between yoga and body acceptance. Today my guest is the luminous Tanya Geisler. I have known Tanya for several years through friends, but we've only recently connected directly and it's been such a total delight. Uh, one of the reasons that we connected is your wonderful TED Talk, Tanya, Owning Our Authority. And I am definitely going to link to that so that those of you who are listening can check it out. Um, I could not even calculate the number of people I have sent this talk to. I think it's partially friends, but also a lot of people who do yoga teacher training with me. I feel like this question comes up so much around that transition from student to teacher, and everyone has just been like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for sending me that. That's exactly what I needed to hear. So I'm super excited to talk with you about that and whatever else might come up through our conversation. So welcome, Tanya. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for having me here. Um, I know how much you value this community, so I'm so honored that you're sharing me in this way, that you're sharing my work, and delighted to be here, love. Thank you. Yay! (laughs) Okay, so the first question that I ask everyone is, what was your relationship with your body like as a young person? This question gave me a lot of pause. Mm. You know, it really did, because I... You know, I was like, ah, my very first thought was, it was all good, right? Like, I, I took for, I kind of took for granted that there was, uh, there were, I had some strong legs, and, you know, I had a strong forehand in tennis, and I had a killer serve, and, you know, I was, I was, I never thought twice about what my body looked like, mm-hmm. um, and, and that feels really true for the majority of my childhood, um, but I did have a mom, lesser, 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 uh, who did some crazy stuff with diets. Mm-hmm. Um, the grapefruit diet. Um, I went like I, I just had. She's like she was kind of quirky anyway. Like she went through this whole shogun phase where she was like well, we ate everything with, with chopsticks. So she kind of <laughs> had like phases that she would go through, which I is truly delightful about her. But her diets were madness. And um, especially the banana diet. <laughs> the banana. I feel like I haven't even heard of that one. Oh, well, oh, I, there was the scars to that, but the banana diet was the worst because it was like, all you eat is bananas. Like, you just eat bananas. Wow. So, can you imagine how cantankerous you would get if all you eat are bananas? No, I also hate bananas. <laughs> oh, I do. They are non-fruit to me. If it's not, like, juicy and, like, I don't get it. So, that, so there's that. And I don't think she liked bananas. So on top of I'm sure she didn't afterwards. afterwards. (laughs) But I remember one time taking a banana for a peanut butter and banana sandwich, and she went, Oh, no, you didn't. Oh, oh, no, you didn't. So that was like one of the maddest I've ever seen her in my entire life. (laughs) And that to me was like, I am not doing anything like that. That has like, that can turn my otherwise super loving, super compassionate, super rational mother into this like stark raving banana breast lunatic so <laughs> that was kind of like okay I'm never doing that um and that was true and then it, but, you know it's that kind of feels like that was my story but then I remember you know just as we got on this call um when I was 17 I was going to a friend's cottage and um there were going to be bikinis mm-hmm. and I remember asking somebody how can I lose 10 pounds really quickly 
Mm-hmm. And we had this conversation like it was actually a realistic thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you will eat, you if you eat nothing but vegetables, don't eat fruit, just eat vegetables for the entire week in water, and you should probably be able to lose 10 pounds. And let me be clear, I, I, I did not have 10 pounds to lose. And I want to be really, really clear about that. It's not like I didn't have to lose it. I didn't have 10 pounds to lose. Mm, yeah. So... So that was, so that was there, you know, like, I don't even know what size I was. I don't even know, but I definitely did not. Like when I see those pictures, there was, there was not an extra 10 pounds to go anywhere. So, and that was 17. So that was probably the very first time that I realized, oh, look at this. This actually matters a lot more. And it didn't matter that I still had a wicked serve in tennis. And it didn't matter that I had strong legs that I could run with. It mattered how teeny my waist was. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I feel so sad just thinking about that. You know, just like e- even though it took me until 17 to really start the hours and, you know, the, the hours spent worrying about that. Yeah. Well, it feels like that brings in some of the imposter complex in some ways that I wanted to talk with you about. So before we really dive into it, can you just tell us what you mean by that imposter complex? So I lo- I, I'm all about, well, I'm, I'm all about a lot of things, but <laughs> attribution is really important to me. So I really love like letting people know that this is a, t- a term coined by clinical psychologists back in the 70s, uh, Pauline Clance and Suzanne Irons, and they were studying um, high-functioning, high-achieving women and noticing that no matter what these women were capable of achieving, they would discount it. They would discount any of their success as a fluke or, you know, as a result of somebody being nice to them. But it, would ne- it was never related to their own talents, to their own expertise, to their own excellence. Mm. Um, so it's that experience anytime you hear yourself. Yeah. So anytime you find yourself attributing your success to luck or chance or anything that's outside of you know, what you're actually creating mm-hmm. or even worthiness, that's the imposter complex. Um, anytime you think it's just a matter of time before this, this nebulous, they find out that you're not as capable as they imagined, mm-hmm. that's the complex. And, um, anytime that you're invited to step up and shine and you go, no, 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 I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. That's the imposter complex because part of what's happening there is that you have this belief that they got it wrong. Like you're not, you're, you're not the one that they should be inviting. It's somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. I know I told you this over email, but I want everyone listening to hear this too. Um, I knew that this was like kind of an issue for me, but not really (laughs) until I watched your TED talk. And then when I just read your great guide, 12 lies of the imposter complex and one truth, which we will absolutely link to so people can sign up and grab. Um, I was surprised to see like oh there's even more ways that this crops up for me that I wasn't aware of so I recently did the event curve camp and it was like amazing Mm -hmm. I loved it everyone loved it It it's such a wonderful like body positive community everyone was like I want to come back like I couldn't have imagined it going as well as it did and the very next day I was home and I was like that was probably just a fluke I'm sure it can never be this good again And then I read your guide, like, I think the next day, was it? Or something like that. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was the imposter complex. I had no idea. And it's really helpful to see that. um, Like, oh yeah, this is the imposter complex again. To just kind of work through it. 
Yeah, and there's two two lies that so so yeah, I've I've identified twelve lies, and I suspect that there are more. But I gotta tell you, this is like there are so many lies that it's really challenging to drill them into the twelve that I believe to be true. But right. the two lies that I feel show up in, in that belief are, you know, lie number nine, which is it's just a matter of time before this all crumbles beneath you. Right. Right. Which yeah, is like totally. that one shows up when we're nice and relaxed and. We feel, we're actually feeling a little bit grateful how good life is, you know, it's that, it's that existential lament of, you know, is, this is not my beautiful house, this is not my beautiful wife, <laughs> right. and then all of a sudden, like, we, we think, oh my gosh, I've just jinxed myself, and, and, and being like, oh, oh my gosh, the other shoe's gonna drop, the yeah. other shoe's gonna drop, right? Right. So that's a big, fat lie, because it's really, um, this is really about how good will you allow this all to be? Mm-hmm. And what if the other shoe wasn't about to drop? Right. And I heard um, Brene Brown speak a couple of years ago, and she talks about, um, you know, the, all the ways in which we dress rehearse disaster. I just thought oh. that was such a clever yes. way of saying that. But that's exactly what's happening here, right? It's like, okay, well, um, so this is all good, so something's going to have to happen, because that's how life works. Right. And then I also hear in, in your experience with her campers is that, um, well, you didn't say this, but this, this often shows up once we've experienced some bit of success uh, and that's, you know, you'll never be able to pull it off again. And that's line number eight. Exactly. Yes. Right? That was definitely part of it. Yeah. So like it, it or like it wasn't me anyway, like, Oh, oh it was yeah. the speakers. It was the great participants. Right. Right. You know, of course, all that's true, but to do with you curating and gathering and, and yeah, creating this incredible, but yeah, nothing to do with you. Right. <laughs> exactly. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So how do people start noticing this? Well, the way that I, the, the clearest, I think the most pervasive lie is, well, no, they're all, they're all like, it's like, I can't ever pick the most pervasive lie because they're all so up for us at any given moment. Yes. But I think that we can really notice that we are in the land of the imposter complex when we are speaking in confidence extremities that leave no space for nuance or discernment. It's mm -hmm. all or nothing. Oh, so, yeah. right. So it's like, it, this is either a complete success or a, dismal failure like there's nothing in between you know everything or you know nothing mm, the black and white thinking yep totally yeah. where it's like it is all this or it is all that and so that's actually it's actually helpful you know when we realize we're not allowing for any other perspectives but that is we are probably in the land of imposter complex um, when we are discounting any of our successes, when we avoid or we evade praise, I'd say those are pretty strong. Like when you, you know, somebody says, um, uh, that was a really fantastic headstand and you go, oh, but my back wasn't straight or blah, blah, blah. Right. Right? Like, I did that wrong. And, you know, um, let me show you all the ways that I'm getting it wrong. Like when we're doing that, that's, that's imposter complex. And then, you know, cause I know that so much of this is about body work food. It's really like when we can feel that hot flush of shame that yeah. we're about to be found out, imposter complex. Yeah. It is always the hot flush, isn't it? I totally yep. get that. Yeah. 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 I'm excited to talk with you more about this because I feel like in my own body and teaching Kirby yoga, which is so much about what is it like to live in your body and to accept your body? I feel like the imposter complex comes up all the time for people mm -hmm. relating 
to their body. Do you find that to be true too? Mm -hmm. I think that there's a couple of ways that that happens. And so, you know, this is like, this is my riff on it. So, so pull back if this doesn't resonate for you and we can sort of re reassess. But like the first place that I go to when I think about this, you know, we are teachers, we are leaders, we are healers. And I think that we have this, I haven't got this all figured out yet. So who am I to teach? Yes. My body isn't perfect. My eating isn't perfect. Who am I to lead? Yeah. Right. And this is, so like, I actually, I remember this. Oh my gosh. When I first started out in coaching, uh, and we have some, we have some external critics too, right? So like, it's not all just the, like, it's not all the, uh, all these internal dialogue. We actually have external critics yeah. who sometimes will show up and they, and then they manifest, they, they collude with the imposter complex. So I remember putting on Facebook, this is hilarious. This is so benign, but like, so spot on. I have a very bad habit. I, I don't take the subway that often um, in, in our city because I walk pretty much everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, but I got on the subway and I noticed like the last four times I got on the wrong subway. There's it, It's east or west basically in my city or, or north and south on the one line. But like mm -hmm. it, it happened a couple of times where I would get on the wrong direction and go like one or two stops before I kind of looked up from my iPad or whatever it was I was doing to realize it was like, Oh God, I did it again. <laughs> so and I, and I remember posting that on Facebook, like, you know, cause that's of course what we do with our total moment of embarrassment. We go to Facebook to process it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also part of the imposter complex. I have to tell everybody what a colossal mess up I am. Oh, anyway, yeah. Right. There's mm -hmm. that too. Anyway. So this, but I remember somebody responding and going like, Aren't you a life coach? Like, aren't you supposed to have it all together? Whoa! Yes, yes. This is somebody who's like clearly not a big fan of the work I was doing in the world. Um, but yeah, so that was that was there. It's like who, you know, so there so that shows up. Like, who am I to who am I to be speaking about um self-love if you know I I eat cheese whiz or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Like have or if I don't love my body every second of the day. Right? I mean that comes up all the time. And I'm just Absolutely. like, I haven't met anyone who does yet. So, <laughs> yeah. So it, it's not perfect. My eating isn't perfect. Who am I to teach? Who am I to lead? Yeah. And, and then there's also this, this sort of this, this, um, compelling effect. And it, this is the first slide, the imposter complex that your self doubt is proof of your inadequacy. Yes. So it's like, how can I lead or serve others when I'm in self doubt? How, how is that even possible? But the great news is the fact that you're experiencing the imposter complex is actually proof that you are conscientious, that you are high functioning, that you have strong values of integrity and excellence. It's actually like, it's a good news piece. So it keeps you striving towards mastery. It's important to you to, so using the example of self-love, so this is still an edge that you need to continue to work towards. That's all that is. The imposter complex, as it shows up, it's really pointing you to, hey, there's, there's room for improvement. Like there's, there are places that we can continue to work towards and we can do so in a way that is full of compassion and that is full of integrity. Yeah. We're in process. We're just in process. And I always think to, you know, Bishop T.D. Jakes talking about our ministries where our misery has been, right? Like mm, yeah. we're, we're all walking each other home. We're, 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 we're teaching what we need to be taught. We're teaching what we are learning. Um, and then the other place I go to, um, 
you know, your question sends me to is, is we have a lot of beliefs around who gets to be here. Um, my body is, is too large for this experience. Um, I can't, you know, I use the example on my TEDx talk, my hair is not shiny enough to be uh, an international speaker. Right. <laughs> like, what? What? <laughs> I'm just imagining the sign like that. You must be this tall to ride this ride. Like your hair must be this shiny. <laughs> exactly. exactly. You know, and, and, and that struck me, that stri strikes me when I see your video and you're talking about that piece of like, I don't know, like, is my body supposed to be in the ceiling class? Like, I don't know. Like, uh, what are the, what are the rules? How, how tall, how, you know, how short, like wh where, where did these rules come from? And, and what it really comes down to um, is us challenging our beliefs about the rules. And those are those confidence extremities again. It's all or nothing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really interesting point about the external versus the internal because I feel like in some ways the way that yoga has been represented in the West like enforces some of this like I'm not the right fill in the blank for mm -hmm. it. And it's easy for people to think like is it their imposter complex? Is it these external um, things that are happening in the culture or whatever? And I love that you're kind of giving a framework for like parsing that out a little bit and shifting the culture, it feels like. Yep. We get to choose. Yeah. We get to choose. We're always a choice. We're always a choice. And, and so, I mean, I can't even begin to imagine if... Um, and with great love and high vibrations to to that woman who said that to me on Facebook, like she's not my people. Yeah, right. She's not my people. Can you imagine if I stopped like sort of sharing and being who I am and being the being kind of a you know being kind of a goof? And there is also too there is a place of you know being able to walk your talk. And, um, but that's not, you know, like, that's not my thing. My thing isn't all be, being about completely buttoned down and having it all perfect. My, my thing is about being, you know, present to what's here, being present to your life, being present to stepping out to it, you know? So yeah. that has nothing to do with the fact that I missed two subway stops. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You're trying to do something totally different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I was really enjoying myself too. And that was the other part. It's like I, I really, you know, it was pretty. It was pretty hilarious to me too that that, that had happened yet again. You know. Yeah. Well, and it feels like some of the tools that you offered earlier, like how to notice when you're in an imposter complex, really um, lay right onto the body question. So, black and white thinking about your body, or is there anything else that comes up for you? You know, it's, it's, it's the black and white. It really, it really is the confidence extremities. And I think yeah. that we just need to, um, you know, I think one of the a couple of the lies are around, you know, naming, like we need to keep this silent. So like anytime mm -hmm. we, when we, when we keep things silent, it's usually because we're feeling shame around them. Right. Um, and then, so I think that having these conversations, um, and, and saying, you know, this is, this is when I feel a little out of integrity with who I am. Um, what are you seeing? One of the, the coolest outcomes of, um, <clears throat> doing this talk, the TEDx talk, a group of women, um, were in touch with me to say that they had watched 
the talk together. So they're all a, a group of adver- women in advertising, which is a beautiful um, full circle for me because that's where I started out. Mm. Um, and, <laughs> and the imposter complex had lots to say about that. Um, <laughs> So this group of women got together behind closed doors, which I think is just priceless, Mm -hmm. and watched this talk and realized how familiar um, so much of what I was speaking, you know, was familiar for all of them. Mm -hmm. So they they ended up this really robust conversation um, about where it had been stopping them and where it had been uh, holding them back and where, you know, how they could support each other. So they created, I just love this so much, they created um, an imposter jar. Oh, isn't that awesome? So every time they heard each other saying something that was somewhat impostery, like, um, no, 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 you go ahead. I'm, I'm not, I'm not ready to take the lead on that account. Or no, you don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't that good a pitch. I mean, like I kind of stumbled over the, like all of those times they put money in the imposter jar, which I just think is, I love it. Beautiful. Right. Like yeah. this way that we can, that we can talk about it to, um, and even you right here in this conversation, Anna, like you are, you've got this incredible group of women and you're, you're standing there saying, hey, I experienced this. I get it. I get what you're feeling, sister. And when we are able to recognize that we are not alone, um, then we can really hold each other. We can hold each other up. We can hold each other accountable in a very loving and compassionate way. Yeah. And I feel like changing your language in some ways feels like a simple thing, but is life-changing. Yeah. I I did that, something similar, not an imposter jar, but I stopped bad-talking my body with my female friends. Mm-hmm. And so I did it with like a, just kind of a one-month experiment to see what it was like. And mm-hmm. I was just like, oh my gosh, like there's so much more time and spaciousness in the conversations and they feel so much more supportive. So I just, I never do it now. And I feel like it really has raised my awareness about it and changed my relationship so I love the idea I'm totally going to try that same thing with discounting anything that I'm doing around imposter complex awesome I love it let, thank you, yeah, you let, let me know how that goes because I really think that this is you know and, and, and uh, you know the other thing too is and we got to love the judge as much as you know as much as the judge is a, a harsh critic for mm-hmm. us we also have to, it can't be from this place of like self-flagellation, right? Like that doesn't right. work either. Like yeah, right. forgive yourself for, for those, because again, it's really rooted in your, your drive for excellence, your drive for mastery, your drive for integrity, right? So right. Like, it comes from a pretty, it comes from a pretty decent place. It just doesn't give us any um, room for enjoyment. That's really what's going on. Yeah. It comes out sideways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know that another big part of your work, which is so related to this, is helping people step into more of what you call their starring role. So I would love to hear more about what this is and also how it relates to this imposter work that you're doing. I just rubbed my hands together in glee. So much. So, you know, your starring role is, is, it's fluid. It's the role that you are called to step into right now. So step into your star role is a 12-week coaching program that I have, but it really is the underpinning of um, somebody who somebody who's done this work with me calls the technology, uh, mm. because we continue to be called, we continue to be called forward. You know, so the moment that you are able to, like, do you remember for yourself? Do you remember when you first started to allow to call your 
yourself to call yourself a teacher. Yeah. It was like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm teaching yet. Like, when am I teaching? Like, is this, it's, it, 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 am I, am I allowed to call myself a teacher yet? Like what, are, again, you know, there's like, you must be this tall to run. Like yes. at what point, so teacher training is great. Cause it's like, okay, now you have done this training. Now you are officially a teacher, but what about writer? What about, um, you know, what about all those other roles that you want that you want to take on? What is, what about leader? What about, um, creator of a movement, which is so what you are on, like, this is the path that you're mm-hmm. on. And I'm like, you are creating a movement. Mm-hmm. Um, so at what point are we allowed to claim that role? So yeah. stepping into your star role is really about that. So like the role that I've been working on with the last iteration, um, with the last group uh, that ended a couple of weeks ago, um, was the role of stepping into as imposter slayer. Oh, nice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it took a lot to be able to really step into that. So there is a technology that, that allows us to um, yeah, I just went a little sideways there because I was just thinking, like, I was just thinking, seeing all the faces of the incredible women who've been doing this work, and I want to reveal their star roles, but it's not mine to share. Um, but yeah, we're talking leaders, we're talking, uh, you know, we're talking authors, we're talking, so when are we allowed to name that role, and, and how do we really step into it and claim it? So sometimes, you know, the, the language around the branding is so theatrical that sometimes people think it's about public speaking. And sometimes that's what it is. Sometimes mm-hmm. it is like I want to the next, you know, I've had great success in my tenure as this. And now I want to now I want to claim my role as a speaker. Yeah. Um, so what does that actually look like? So there is a whole process um, that is the actually the framework of the TEDx talk is a huge part of what this program is because we need to really root into the why underneath the starring role, right? So it's not just a goal that is untethered. It has to be deeply, deeply, deeply rooted in what I call your brand of joy. Mm. That's the first piece is to, is to name it and then to really root into it, which is a very circular process. Like, so, you know, so the very, it's the, the, the reason that you do all that you do. Um, and and what your brand of joy doesn't change. Your starring role might change because it's probably going to evolve. So but the under the underpinning, your brand of joy, that never that never really changes. Mm. So but that's where, you know, in the naming of the role, that's where the imposter starts to show up, right? It's like, um, yeah, you can't have that. It's too big. It's selfish. It's, um, it's unnecessary. It's going to be too hard. You're not ready. So we have to face all of those pieces. Yes. So when we decide to strive, we decide that, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a movement that I'm leading and I'm going to own that. Um, we need to face the imposter complex, hear everything that it has to say and the other saboteur fears that we have, as well as any other realistic objections that might be actually in the way that we need to crossover or fill, you know, um, and then we need to get, gather whatever support we need. And of course the imposter complex has lots to say about why we shouldn't need support or why support isn't available to us, which is more lies, more lies, more lies. And then we need to root into proof positive about why this is our role to step into and to claim, which looks like, you know, appreciate everything that we've ever done that has led us to this moment in time. And the imposter complex has plenty of things to say about that. So this is why it's a technology. <laughs> we have to kind of keep coming back and around and around and around. Right. Um, 
and then we and then we actually get into the get into the doing of what this starring role looks like. Um, what you know, what are the mechanics, the machinations of this role? And then we need to celebrate. So this is like the whole process mm. of stepping into your starring role. And celebration, of course, again, the imposter complex has lots to say about celebration because you right. know it's like uh, there were all these flukes that had happened and blah, blah, blah. So it's a constant process of facing it because, again, as long as we have strong values of integrity and excellence and mastery, it's going to be there. It's, it's sort of, it's our constant companion. Yeah. Um, but I love so that I'm, debunking that you do with that because I feel like people think, well, once you've done something, then you're like, good to go. <laughs> oh, this is just, yeah, right? It's like, we can, and then we keep, then we, then we want on to the next thing. And this is why, yeah. this is why we are so relieved when we hear somebody like Meryl Streep say, I get a, you know, like I get, she's been nominated for what, 18 Academy Awards and she still thinks this, this next movie, that's the one they're going to find out that I'm a fake or that I can't act, right? Like right. This, and she's like shocking. adored by. <laughs> yeah, but it's, and it, and it keeps her, and it keeps her on her, and it keeps her on her edge, and it keeps her on her game, and it does not stop her from starring in the next movie. Yeah. So this is this is why this is is the technology. This is part of the celebration. It's like okay, and now like so integrate really rest. It's like I, I always speak about it in terms of being a savasana because we really have to integrate what we've just experienced before we can, you know, and then release the energy of that so that we can integrate and move into the new, which is our new star role, our new place that we've got things that we have to achieve. Yeah. Yeah, people sometimes will sort of assume like, oh, since I've been teaching or whatever, I must never get nervous or worry or, you know, whatever. Um, and I'm like, no, there's just like new roles, like you're saying, coming up for me to be right on that same edge. It's not the same experience as when I became a different teacher, but it's, a lot of it is very similar. <laughs> Absolutely. It's just like this, you know, and then again, the, the confidence extremities, right? It's like, I don't know anything about this, so I know nothing. Right. Yep. No, you know, you know plenty, you know enough, and you know enough to get help where you need it. Right. Yeah. And it feels like the more that you recognize, oh, this is coming up, the more you can say, oh yeah, so I need to figure out how to support myself. That's right. That's right. That's where we get really, really, really confident. Is is a knowing? Is a knowing? You know, I heard somebody say like, I just I hire for my weaknesses. Like that's that's so evolved. Yeah. Right? Like I don't know how to do that, and I actually have no real desire to really figure it out. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna get some. I'm just gonna hire some help. You know, yeah. like that's like just and that and that's a process of knowing how you ask that. So that's that's the part that I, I speak about. You know, assembling the cast. So you know, what are the parts that you just that you could that you could outsource? And I don't mean that you know from a from a glib way. Like what where where do you need some help from the people that really are already here in your life that really want you to succeed? Yeah, definitely. And I do that. I mean, like there's just some things like graphic design, for example. <laughs> I have no real skill set in, nor do I care to spend the copious amount of time I'm sure it would take me to really learn it. Absolutely. And it's like, yeah. and there's also an opportunity to let somebody else shine, for goodness sakes. Yeah. Right? Like, it feels really good. Yeah. yeah. All around. Absolutely. Yeah. Otherwise, my whole website would be clip art. <laughs> no exaggeration. <laughs> So if somebody's kind of on this edge of feeling like a starring role is calling them, what what is the first step for them to take? I, you know, I really think it comes back to 
knowing what their brand of joy is. Mm. And so like when I say your brand of joy, I, I mean that for me, my word of fulfillment and resonance is joy. So, and for me to feel joy, I know that I need to feel connection. I need to, I know I need to feel gratitude. I know I need to feel generosity, but what I call joy, somebody else might call like my husband calls it success. Mm-hmm. And for him to feel that he needs to feel acknowledgement, um, accomplishment, and he needs to feel quality of affluence. Like that's just him. Yeah. And then for somebody else, that same word is love or enthusiasm or freedom. So really understanding the grand mama of all of our values that that is going to, um, help root the, uh, our starring role in truth. Because it's it's a bumpy road, right? Like it's a bumpy road to get into to feeling to feeling and owning that authority, owning that starring role is a very bumpy road. So it really needs to be stitched into our personal truth. Yeah. So it's it's so the, this is like a two pronged thing. One is like a really deep listening to the whispers, the, the 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 places that we keep discounting the chronic desires. The itches that simply will not go away, um, those are the places to pay attention to and then start to create some language around what that starring role feels like, but then really rooting into the brand of joy that you have. Mm. So it's a really circular process. Knowing your starring role helps you to understand your brand of joy and knowing your brand of joy helps you step into your starring role. Wow. I just love how organic your work is. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) I feel I love that word that you said a a student used, which was technology. It feels that way. And that that's something we all really benefit from, like having a way to navigate these things that come up. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it, 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 it get it also, you know, it's not a cop, but it really just gets us off the hook from getting it perfect. And because it is, it, you know, it's, it's not a linear process. It can't be, right. but we are all on a sort of a spiral trajectory. And so just recognizing where we all are on that, on that path. It's like, oh, okay, I'm here. I'm actually in the work of it. Oh, love. You know, I got, I know I got to love the work because this matters because it's rooted in my brand of joy. Right. Yeah. And if it's not, then it's not, then it's a should. It's not a goal. It's not your star role. Yeah. Another useful thing to know. <laughs> well, many, I, many, many years ago, I interviewed Diana Valentine um, on a series I had called um, Thing Finding Thursday. Mm-hmm. Kind of that. It was really fun. Um, and I remember her saying, it's one of those, like, I'll never forget this. She said, um, just because you're good at something doesn't mean you have any business doing it. <gasps> right? Yes. Oh, my gosh. I, it took me... <laughs> I'm just thinking about all the jobs I've done where like, yeah, I wish I would have known that before I started doing them. Yeah. Yeah. So like advertising, not connected to my brand of joy, not one bit, not one bit. Yeah. So I think that knowing what your brand, you know what your brand of joy is, like that is really critical to understanding the starting role that you're wanting to step into, the the, the, the next place that you want to be going. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. good. Well, I feel like I could talk to you mm, at least the rest of the day, if not the rest of the week. <laughs> but I'm going to wrap us up here. Um, how can people connect with you and more of your good work? Hmm. Well, um, I'm pretty... <laughs> I'm 
No, I'm gonna stay here. I want to say something about like how I'm I'm really trying to bring back that love and feeling for Twitter, but I certainly respond to any tweets. Um, <laughs> I would love for your people to come check out my work at TanyaGeisler.com, and if if they're feeling called to, then to grab the Twelve Lies of the Imposter Complex and One Truth. I'm really, I am really proud of that. I, I I'll say yeah, it. You I'll should sing be. It from the yeah, it's great. Thank you. I am very proud of that. So um, that's a fantastic place to be. And then I'm on Facebook, Tanya Geisler Coaching. And, um, yeah, I'm just so delighted to be here. Um, I love what you're up to, Anna. You know that. You know that. You know that. And uh, so I'm delighted to get a chance to talk to your, your peeps. Thank you so much for being here. It's been a really great conversation. And we will link all of that stuff for folks to connect with you. Lovely. Thank you, darling. Thank you. Thanks to everybody listening. We will see you next time. Bye.